I got a message for you. The word of the Lord is today, God favors the bold. God favors the bold. How y'all doing back here this morning? Let's just pause right here, Chris. So thankful for our AV and tech crew, Chris Trowbridge, all those who serve. You know, when I think about just stories in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, every time God chose someone, it wasn't because they were the richest. It wasn't because they were the poorest. It wasn't because they were well-educated or well-experienced or they came from a good family. It's because they chose to walk in obedience. And obedience requires boldness. God honors your bold yes. God honors your bold steps. And when you choose to rise up in boldness, God's favor begins to shine on you. Right when this pandemic started, we began to hold these drive-in services. And the very first service, they said, Paul, the parking lot is full and not everyone can see you. They can hear you in their cars on the other side of the parking lot, but they can't see you. But we got this scissor lift that's been held in storage. And if you want to get on the scissor lift and just preach, we'll put you out in the far part of the parking lot. And the wireless microphone will stretch out there so you can preach to all the cars. Let's stop right here. And so let's see how high this thing can go. We took this thing out into the middle of the parking lot. And they begin to raise it up. And I'll be honest with you. As a kid, one of my biggest fears was the fear of heights. I was scared. Every time we were, I would have nightmares about being on top of a building, being really high up. Isn't it crazy that God will use the thing you're scared of the most to be the biggest platform that he brings the gospel through? He'll use your weakness. He'll use the thing that freaks you out. He'll use the thing that I was afraid to speak in front of people. I was afraid to be on heights and here I am. And all of a sudden that first week as we were out there holding these drive-in services, God began to shine a light of favor. People said, you should shut down. You guys shouldn't have church. You should shut down the Dream Center. But because we rose up with courage and boldness, God allowed our church to shine brighter than ever before. We reached more people in the last nine weeks than we've reached all year. Over 600,000 people heard the gospel through our online church. Thousands of people came to the drive-in service. Over 240,000 people got fed groceries and a hot meal because we chose boldness. When you choose to face your fears, you have no clue. On the other side of your fears, God has so much favor. God has so much more favor. Let's come down. This is kind of crazy up here. <laughs> Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Let me hear you roar this morning. Roar. You know, God did not call the church to live in a cowardish fear. God did not call the church to live with a constant anxiety and worry about tomorrow, a stress of how we're going to get through seasons. God called the church to move in boldness. And you, my friends, are that church. In the book of Acts, it's amazing how these men and women that were ordinary men and women, they weren't special, they weren't polished speakers, they didn't have a bunch of money, but they were obedient to say yes. When I say God favors the bold, I'm saying God favors your bold obedience. God favors your bold yes, even when it's crazy. Like when God called Noah to build an ark, 
And people made fun of him. And people said, it hasn't rained in hundreds of years. Why would you build an ark? Noah's boldness led to God's favor on his life. Noah's bold steps of obedience caused God to shine favor over him. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Here they were in their old age. And God said, move into a country you've never been to before. Move into a land and let your nephew Lot have the best choice land that looks good in the natural eyes. I'm leading you to a place you've never seen before. Their boldness led to God's favor on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here's one thing I've realized about favor. You cannot keep a favored man down. You cannot keep a favored church down. No matter what kind of closures, restrictions, shutdowns try to happen, when the favor of God starts shining on you, there is no demon in hell that can stop you. There is no demonic attack. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus builds. And this is his church. And Jesus said, if my name is lifted up, all people will know. When, when the name of Jesus is lifted up, when we begin to worship and we begin to sing the name of Jesus, it was so beautiful. And you know, God says, when you lift up my name, I lift you up. When you, put, when you obey me, when you walk in obedience, when you walk in that courage, that boldness, that faith, when you do it even when you're afraid. So that first week we got out there, we did a drive-in service and the next day, I began to read comments as, as our church began to shine across the news. News outlets started running this story. This large church is doing drive-in services. This crazy, foolish pastor is on a scissor lift. Come on, I'll be a fool for Christ. God will use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I'll be the idiot. I'll be the weak thing that God uses to confound the strong. But people started writing these comments saying they should shut down. They should shut down everything. Stop everything. This is ridiculous. And then they started telling, you know, people started writing in the comments that they know our motives. They can read our minds. I've never been a mind reader before. I've always wanted to. But there are some people out there that are gifted at reading our minds and our motives. And they know why we do what we do. And I started just thinking, man, they have no clue. That's not our motive. Like... We're doing church because there's people that are in need. People need help in a crisis. People need hope in a pandemic. This is not an hour for the church to shrink back. This is a, an hour for the church to rise up in creativity, to find a way where there seems to be no way. You know, we serve a God that's a way maker. He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. And, and, and so as I was reading these comments, I started getting discouraged. You know, in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, Let's keep moving. Acts chapter 4. Yeah, you can make some noise if you want to. Verse 29. The, the disciples, the early church, they heard that there was people that were mad about their message. People that were upset with the miracles and the favor of God that was on them. And so they began to pray. In Acts 4 verse 29, it says they prayed to God, Oh Lord, consider the threats. Because there was people who were threatening. There's always a spirit of intimidation that tries to stop you from doing and being who God's called you to be. Let's pause right here. It's good to see y'all right there. I don't get to see you up close like this. I wanna come eye level with you. Let's go up a little higher. So the church began to pray. When you begin to pray, God elevates your prayers. When you begin to pray, God begins to, God begins to move on your behalf. How do you get boldness? You pray for it, you ask for it. You have not because you ask not. When we begin to ask God, so the disciples, this is what they did. Look at this in verse 29. They said, they said, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants, enable your church to preach with boldness. 
This is an hour for us to ask God for boldness. Lord, I pray right now for this church. I pray for those watching online right now for boldness. Boldness in Australia, in Florida, in California, in Virginia, in New York City. Boldness in Los Angeles. Boldness in the Philippines. Boldness in Ecuador. Boldness in Brazil. Boldness in Russia. I pray that you would use your church and Christians to rise up and be the hands and feet and the miracle-working children of God wherever they live. When we, when we walk in boldness, we begin to unlock doors for people. When we walk in boldness, not only does it unlock a door for you, it begins to open a door for others. And watch the disciples as they prayed and asked for this boldness. They said, stretch your hand out, O God, to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, let me just stop. There are some people out there who think that miracles stopped when the Bible was finished being written. There are some people who believe that the Holy Spirit does not belong in the church today. We are not those people. <laughs> you came to a spirit-filled, miracle-believing, miracle-seeing church. It happens. You saw the video. The girl that was having seizures, all of a sudden the seizures began to stop. I can tell you miracle after miracle. During this pandemic, I've prayed with people, talked with people. People who've gotten healed of cancer. People who were going to throw in the towel. And because they came to Victory Church, somehow the God, like it was like God draw, drew their car. I prayed that God, as cars drive by our parking lot and they see us out on the roof and they see me on the scissor lift, that they would just be compelled, no matter where they're going, that they would be compelled to pull into the parking lot. We had people who were on their way to go get high, people who were on their way to go throw it all away. They were going to end their life. When they saw us in the parking lot, they pulled in. They surrendered their lives to Jesus. They got saved. They got healed. They got their marriage restored. Don't tell me that miracles stopped in Acts. The book of Acts is still going forward. When the disciples prayed this prayer, it says in verse 31, after they prayed, this is so crazy. What am I doing right now? <laughs> this is awesome. After they prayed, the place they were in was shaken. Let's go down. Let's go down. This is too wild. I'm scaring people right now. And everyone who was there was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Everybody say boldness. Bold people stand out. Bold people are confident in their own skin. Bold people are courageous. Bold people inspire others to walk in boldness. Bold people initiate things before anyone else will do it. They're okay being the first. Bold people bring progress to society. They bring movement to the momentum. They bring others with them into courageous acts. When I think about boldness, and I think about just people in the last, let's say, 200 years, think about the Wright brothers. These guys were looking up in the sky and watching birds fly, and they thought, we could do that. No one was thinking on that same level. Bold people think outside the box. Bold people realize there are no limitations. When you've been given the same DNA, God said that he created us in his image. We were created by a creative creator. And if you've lost your boldness to dream, your boldness to imagine. I think about Elon Musk, who's thinking about bringing Tesla to Tulsa. Come on, somebody. We'll take it. 
But he was a janitor at a lumber mill. And he was picking up trash at this lumber mill. And he started thinking, you know, I should create a website where people can pay for stuff online. And he started thinking of this idea. This was back in the early 2000s. And so he just kind of put this side hobby to work. Bold people are okay, just taking one step at a time. And he started this little company called PayPal. Well, now PayPal is such a side company because the next thing he started was SpaceX. People started talking about all the pollution on, on planet Earth. And he said, well, let's, let's see what we can do up in space. People started talking about all the traffic on the highways, and he's now created underground, multi-level highways. What? Bold people think on a different level. Let's keep moving. I believe God's calling the church to start living with a bold creativity. Fear paralyzes, but faith innovates in a crisis. Faith does not bow down to fear. Faith does not bow down to a pandemic. Faith does not lose hope, even when everyone else is losing hope. Bold people rise up and they say, our God is greater than Goliath. Our God is greater than the virus. You see, I believe that boldness is not an absence of fear. I believe it's the power to face your fears head on. When David faced Goliath, it's not that David had zero fears. It's that David's confidence in God was bigger than his fear in Goliath. All the Israelites were running in fear. And a crisis does reveal what's really there. It exposes either courage or the crippling fear of man, the crippling fear of the unknown, the crippling fear of the future, the fear of death. A, a, a crisis or a, a giant or a problem just exposes what's there. And it reveals what's lacking. And then you just have to ask God, God, for some reason I'm feeling really afraid right now and I could really use some courage. And when you ask God for that courage and that boldness, he will give it to you. This is not a time to feel ashamed if you feel afraid. This is a time to get boldness back in your spirit. Get your courage back, church. Get your faith back in your spirit. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verse six through seven, Timothy, stir up the gifts that are within you. Those gifts that are inside you from the laying on of my hands. You see, Timothy had gifts that had become dormant. When you don't use your gifts, they, they, they're still there, but they just become dormant. When you're, when you're a believer in Christ, you're given gifts. You're given authority. You're given a, 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 a boldness. Like God did not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, we're rocking up here. You're good. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm just gonna hang out here on this scissor lift. Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. You've not been given a spirit of fear. Fear in the Greek is dylia. And, and that word dylia means to make someone timid, to make someone cowardish. Cowardice. And I think about how that's the goal of the enemy. He wants to intimidate the church. There's a spirit of intimidation that comes in. And the goal of intimidation is to restrain you, is to hold you down, to hold you back. Like Elijah in the Bible was a bold prophet. How many of y'all have heard the stories of Elijah? The guy who called fire down from heaven. He prayed and the rain stopped. Then he prayed and the rain came down again. He was walking in authority. He was walking in a God-ordained anointing on his life. He wasn't doing foolish things. Like being bold doesn't mean just going and doing stupid stuff. It means obeying God no matter what the cost, no matter how crazy it looks, no matter what people say, what the critics say. It means giving God your best yes. 
and saying, God, I'll do it. I'll wake up tomorrow, no matter how crazy those kids are, and I'm going to be the best dad I can be. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to work hard in my company, and I'm going to be bold with integrity, and I'm going to be bold to do the right thing, and I'm going to be bold to walk in honesty, and I'm going to be bold to launch these little dreams you keep stirring in my heart. I'm going to stop living with the fear of man. So Elijah was walking in this boldness and this authority. But then in 1 Kings 19, there was a woman named Jezebel. And what's so crazy is in one day, Elijah took one bold step and he went to Jezebel's husband and he said, hey, King Ahab, you and all your false prophets that have been wreaking havoc and bringing such a depression and oppression on the nation of Israel, I want to meet you on the top of the mountain. Boldness is one step at a time. You don't just shoot up all at once. Just one step. One step of boldness. I want to meet you on top of the mountain. That was the first step. He gets up to the mountain. He says, all right, what is it? I challenge you to pray to your idols, your gods, and see if they answer you. And if they do, then we will know who the true God is. But if they don't, and I pray to my God, and my God answers me, we'll know who the real God is. So they prayed to Baal. Oh, Baal, 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 Baal. You know, and they start asking Baal to bring fire down, and nothing happens. Elijah starts, you know, making fun of their, their false gods. Well, then Elijah takes another bold step. He says, bring water and pour it on the altar. I want you to know when the fire comes down that it is the real fire of God. Another bold step. And then, all of a sudden, Elijah prays. Can I tell you that bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers? What kind of prayers have we been praying lately? Some of us are Christian atheists. We confess Jesus on Sunday, but we live as if he doesn't exist Monday through Saturday. In fact, even on Sunday, we only live as if he exists in the room. One thing I'm so thankful for about this pandemic is it's just caused the church to explode outside the room. It's just caused the church to realize God is greater than our buildings, greater than our rooms. And he wants to move in and through his people. All right, so um, what kind of prayers are you praying? Elijah was praying bold prayers. I think about the prayer of Jabez. Jabez, his name meant pain. He was born with this label that people had put on him, his own mother had put on him, that he was just a painful kid. He was one of those kids that everywhere he went brought pain. And one day when he turned, I don't know, 20, 21, sometime in his, in his uh, late youth, early 20s, he starts praying this bold prayer. And he says, oh, God, I pray that you would bless me, that you would enlarge my territory. God, I'm, I'm going to start thinking bigger. I'm going to start dreaming bigger. Everywhere I go, I don't want to bring pain. I want to bring peace. I want to bring a blessing. God, I want people to know that your hand of favor is on my life. And the Bible says when Jabez prayed that prayer, God answered it. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. So Elijah prays, and God's fire comes down. Boldness is rising up. He's feeling excited. Next thing Elijah does, he climbs to the top. From that mountain, he climbs to another mountain. And he says, I hear the sound of rain. Boldness gets the word out in front of you. Before you see it, you start speaking it. Before you see it in the natural, you see it in the spiritual. When my father got a vision of this church, he said, I see a church full of people. I see an altar full of lives being changed. I see a dream center. I see us changing the crime rates in North Tulsa. I see us changing what this city looks like for the better. See, God put the church on the earth to make it better, not for, for the church to just be in a corner and be quiet and just survive and eke our way through lives. No, we are called to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. 
We are taking ground in Tulsa and Oklahoma and every nation that this internet broadcast touches. And we're just getting started, church. So Elijah starts prophesying, I hear the sound of rain. And all of a sudden, King Ahab said, I don't see it. His servant said, it's not there. There's just a small cloud. Boldness keeps on speaking even when the critics don't see it. One step at a time. Everybody say one step at a time. So there, Elijah begins to pray. Seven times he gets on his knees. Oh, God, bring the rain. Bring the rain. It had been a drought. It had been a famine. For years, there had been no rain. It was hurting the land. God's about to change things in America. God's about to change things in the nations of the earth. And he's going to do it through the church. He's going to do it through bold Christians. Nothing changed in America until Abraham Lincoln said, this is not the way our country is supposed to be. Nothing changes until bold men and women rise up. You know, someone said something to me um, yesterday when I, when I started to share this message. They said, I don't know. That just kind of sounds like it's on us. You know, they're like we're the one. That's not the gospel. It's all God. God does everything. I get it. He does. The boldness comes from God. The favor comes from God. But one you choose and the other one chooses you. You got to choose boldness. You can't choose favor. Favor chooses you. But if you choose boldness... Well, come on, Paul. It's all God. It's all God. No, no. God moves through your obedience. He gives us the power of choice. God doesn't force us to do the right thing. That's why you have an Adolf Hitler and then you got an Abraham Lincoln. Like humans have the power of will. I have the power to choose every day to live in fear, to live in hate, to live with an anger and envy, a jealousy, or to live with love, to live with kindness, to live with forgiveness, to stand up against prejudice and racism, to stand up with courage and boldness and say, not on my watch. If I'm the only one who stands up, I'll be that one. See, boldness is okay standing out. Nothing changes until bold men and women rise up. Stuff doesn't just happen. You gotta make it. You gotta get out there and you gotta do something. God's not gonna write the book for you. He's not gonna start the company for you. But if you'll take one step at a time, he'll breathe favor on your company. He'll breathe favor on your book. All you gotta do is walk in obedience. He's looking to partner with the church. He's looking to partner with businessmen. He's looking to partner with pastors. He's looking for people that will say, hey, I know there's crazy stuff going on, But let's turn the lights on and let's give groceries out to people that are in need, that are hungry. Let's lead people to Christ in the middle of this crisis. Let's not be the church that cowers back. Let's be the church that opens up. Am I being a little too bold today? I hope so. (laughs) So all of a sudden the rain starts to fall because God favors the bold. As Elijah began to pray, The rain started to fall. And then Elijah outran King Ahab, which is crazy because King Ahab had the fastest chariots in all of Israel. So the king is flying down the mountain on his horses and chariots, and Elijah just goes, God favors the bold. God's about to bring a faster, more efficient favor on your company, on your job, on the way you do things. God's about to accelerate you as you walk in obedience. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us come 
boldly into the throne room of God to obtain favor in time of our need. To get the favor, I've got to walk in boldness. I cannot obtain the favor if I don't come boldly. The enemy wants me to come shamefully into church. The enemy's always trying to push us down. You don't belong up there. You don't belong out there. Get back to where you belong. You're not from the right family. You made too many mistakes. You know what you did in college. You know the junk you looked at on the computer. You know the stuff you said when you were mad at her. You know the bad person you are. You don't belong up there. You don't belong in there. You don't belong. You don't belong. And all of a sudden, you start going down. Because the spirit of intimidation is always trying to push down the church. It's always trying to push down men of God. Always trying to push down women of God. What keeps me from being bold? I'm going to give you five things that stops us from being bold. Number one is sin. When I'm living in sin, when I'm just giving in, Adam and Eve, they had authority in the garden. Everything they said, like there was no violence, there was no murder, there was no bad stuff, there was no sickness, there was no coronavirus, there was no disease. The garden was God's perfect will. But the second they gave in to sin, they lost their faith, they lost their authority. Sin leads to shame. This is what the enemy does. Once you make a, a mistake and you do something you shouldn't have done, the next thing that causes us not to be bold is shame. And so their shame. They said, we've got to cover ourselves. We're naked. We've got, we got to get clothed in the garden. We've got to put ourselves. You know, this is what happened with Elijah. Elijah was rising up. And in 1 Kings 19, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And one word from that woman caused the man of God who was ho so high up to come crashing down. In 1 Kings 19, verse 5, Elijah went running into the wilderness for 40 days. And he became suicidal. He said, God, just take me now. I'm afraid Jezebel's going to kill me. This was the same guy in the same day that he was walking in courage in the morning. He was walking in discouragement at night. Talk about a mood swing. I'm so glad that God uses moody people like Dwight L. Moody. <laughs> If you don't know who he was, he was a revivalist. But you know that sin, that shame, that, and then that third thing is fear. If you don't make a mistake, all of a sudden it's this fear. The fear of the unknown. The fear of what people say to you. The fear of what people will do to you. The fear of people misunderstanding your motives. Oh, they're just doing that for money. Oh, they're just doing that because they just want to be seen on Fox News. Like, you know, people, people can read our minds and our motives. And I wept when I read some of the comments. Be careful what comments you read when people start criticizing you. If you live on the compliments of man, you will die on the criticism of man. Lord, set me free from living off of people's compliments or criticism. I'm so glad that I don't have to rise and fall according to the critics out there. But this is where Elijah was at. One rejection, one negative word from a woman sent this bold man into hiding and contemplating his life. And then I think it leads to this fourth thing, and that's the arrived mindset. What stops us from living with boldness is, well, I've arrived. I've arrived. I've, I've gotten where I need to get to. I've, I've done what I need to do. I think what stops people from dreaming is this arrival mindset. I, you know, Paul, I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at. I don't, I don't need to try anything. There's nothing more for me to do. And then it brings us into this fifth thing, which is survival. I just need to survive. When, when you look at the stories in the Bible, the people who missed out on God's favor, like Saul, went into survival mode in 1 Samuel 14. When the Philistines had besieged the Israelites and there was no way out, Saul starts thinking in this fear. He says, let's just stay here. As long as we can just live another day, live another day. Even if it's in slavery, let's just live another day. 
That's what happened to the Israelites in Egypt. If we can just live another day, live another day. And Moses is trying to break them free. You were not born to be a slave under Pharaoh. You were born to walk in victory. You were born to live with courage. You were born to rise up in faith. And, and listen, boldness is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable preaching from that scissor lift. It's uncomfortable getting up on this stage. But I would rather live with an uncomfortable boldness than cower back in a comfortable fear where I hide out and I just think about what other people are doing and I live on the sidelines watching everyone else fulfill their God-given calling and talent. I have not been given a spirit of intimidation, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I got to stir up my gifts because my gifts are connected to my spirit. Why Paul told Timothy, stir up the gifts, because you've not been given the spirit of fear. Because your spirit determines whether your gifts are ever active. If I have a spirit of intimidation, I can have gifts that sit dormant. The gifts are there, but they're not active. I've rendered them inactive because I've given into a spirit of fear. There was a time when, when I first felt a calling on my life to preach and to pastor where people told me, you shouldn't do that. You should just stick to guitar, stick to leading worship. You're not really a polished speaker. You're not really good at words. Besides, you don't even know how to speak English most of the time. And they were right. Still to this day, I mess up my words. But I'm so glad that God did not consult my polished speaking to figure out if I was called to be a preacher. I'm so glad that God does not look for the most polished people that he uses. He does not call the qualified he qualifies those he calls but there was a time where i was given into the fear of man i was like yeah you're right i'll just i'll just i'll just stay back here there are no limits once you discover that the boldness god's put inside you is called for such a time as this and that it's greater than the fear of man it's greater than the criticisms of people all of a sudden you start doing things that are out of your comfort zone like think about this there was a girl named taylor and she worked at a tree farm and she would sweep the, uh, the, the pathways of the tree farm, and she would just write these songs as she was doing it. Now, we know her as Taylor Swift. But people told her, all you're going to do is ever work at this tree farm. I, I think about, you know, this other guy, Reed Hastings. And, and, and Reed was just working at McDonald's and, and was just kind of doing it. And there's no harm there. Like, that's great. But he knew deep down inside he was called to do something more. And so he started thinking about you know, Blockbuster and how can I get Blockbuster online? And he, he developed this little website called Netflix, which today is a billion dollar company. I think about these four guys in college that all were kind of nerdy guys and they always had to buy glasses and they got made fun of for the glasses they wore. And, and they started dreaming during the recession because when there's a recession, the money doesn't disappear. It just goes to people who figure out ways to make the most in the middle of a recession. And I think God's looking for partners in this time. And if you're here today and you go, oh, I know what he's, I know his motives on this. He just wants us to prosper. Yeah, so you can be a greater blessing to your family, friends, your city, your community, so you can employ more people. I do want you to prosper. In fact, God wants you to prosper. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. He wants the inside you to prosper even more than the outside you. Because what good is it if you got a mansion, five cars, you drive and you got this nice jet, but your soul is bankrupt. Jesus wants you to be a prosperous man on the inside, a prosperous woman on the inside, but he also wants you to be blessed on the outside because you're an heir of Abraham. You got the same covenant that Abraham had. You were not called to be the borrower your whole life, begging 
begging the government to fix all your problems. No, this is a time for the church house to fix the problems in America, not the White House. This is a time for Christians to rise up with courage and say, I'm going to fix what's going on in my neighborhood. I'm not going to wait for a mayor to do it. I'm going to be the one that does it. He's looking for Gideons and Esthers and Deborahs. He's looking for Peters and Pauls, and he's looking for James and Johns, and he's looking for Davids and Solomons that would say, God, give me wisdom. I know I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I don't know what I'm doing, but Lord, if you'll give me wisdom to govern these people, God says, if you ask for it, I'll give it. Those four college guys, they came up with this idea. They said, what if we started a company named after our favorite superheroes? Let's just call it Warby Parker. And let's sell glasses online. People said, no one's going to buy glasses online. People go to stores to buy glasses. they got to try it on. And they said, yeah, yeah, but let's dare to believe that maybe in a recession, it's an invitation to innovation. Rather than an invitation to do the same thing we've always done, maybe it's an invitation to innovation. And so they started dreaming, and they asked their professor at Arizona State University, hey, would you invest in this because he was a millionaire? And he said, no, it's too big of a risk. And those risky things don't pay off. There's certain risks that just don't pay off. That's not going to work. And they said, not only are we going to sell glasses online, we're going to sell them for a fraction of the price. Instead of selling them for 500 bucks, we're going to sell them for $99. And for every pair of glasses that someone buys, we're going to give a pair of glasses away to a country in need with people who need glasses. The professor said, that's ridiculous. No one's going to buy that. Within three years, Warby Parker became a multi-billion dollar company. How many of y'all own a pair of Warby Parker glasses? I know my wife does. They sell these glasses. And, and, and what I'm saying here is that oftentimes we're so afraid to step out. We're so afraid to try the thing that God's stirring in our heart. We're so afraid we're going to fail. Bold people fail forward. They keep experimenting. They keep trying. Like Thomas Edison, he figured out 10,000 ways not to build the light bulb. But every single day he took one more step. So I'm going to give you four phases because we're in a four-phase plan right now. Not in Oklahoma, in California. We're in a three-phase plan in Oklahoma. But I'm going to give you a four-phase plan to get your boldness back. Come on, how many of y'all ready for the four-phase plan? Phase number one. Phase number one, fill up. You cannot give out what you do not have on the inside. So you got to fill up on the Holy Spirit. you got to fill up with courage. you got to fill up with boldness. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1 through 4. It says this. Ship your grain across the seas. After many days, you will receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight, because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they will pour out rain on the earth. Now, let me stop right there. Y'all are like, okay, this is some Mr. Miyagi stuff. What's going on here? What Solomon is saying is there are clouds that look dense with water, but they hold no water at all. My business teacher used to say it like this at ORU. Big hat, no cattle. There are people who talk a big game, but they don't have the internal stuff to bring it out. They say they, they, they come across like they got a lot, but they don't. What Solomon's saying here is only clouds that are full of water can bring rain. You, cannot bring, you can't produce something that you don't have inside you. Right now, our world is fascinated with this Michael Jordan last dance you know, documentary. And one of the things that they, they've pointed out in this, this whole show that they're doing of him is that this guy just lived constantly with this desire to win. He just constantly was wanting to win. And he would push people to the edges. They would say how you know, intense he got. 
But you cannot bring something to the basketball court that you have not practiced when no one else was watching. I cannot bring a great game to the, to the game if I've not been working on my talent. In other words, I've got to fill up when no one's watching on the word of God. I got to fill up on what brings you want to pour out the rain. You better pour. You better fill up on the word of God, the presence of God, the power of God. Get in the church. Get in your Bible. As you start to read this, it starts to read you. When I get this inside me, the Bible says that the word of God is sweeter than honey. God wants you to eat. God wants you to get hungry for his word. Some of y'all are hungry right now to go eat at Popeye's, hungry for some restaurant. But we're living in a time right now where we got to get hungry for the word of God. Because this thing right here has everything we need. The more I read this, the more creative I get. The more I read this, the more wise I get. The more that I get in the presence of God, the more peaceful I am the more innovative I am, the more I'm listening to him. I'm being still. In fact, Exodus 33, 11 says, when Moses left the tent of tabernacle, Joshua would stay. He would stay. This was before the promised land. Joshua would stay in the presence of God even when his pastor would leave. His pastor would leave the church. Joshua would just stay. And he was right here. What was he doing? He was filling up phase one. People read the book of Joshua and they're like, man, what a mighty warrior. He took down Jericho. He conquered. But they forget it was in Exodus that he was right here. You can't take Jericho down until you get filled up in Exodus. You can't write a book of Joshua until you live as a servant of Moses in Exodus. And while you're filling up as a servant and you're just lingering, God's downloading vision. He's downloading strategy. He's downloading ideas. You're going to, you're going to, beat your competitors, not because you worked harder, but because you lingered longer in God's presence. You filled up on God's word. You filled up and you started walking in boldness. Number two, phase two. Y'all ready for phase two? Phase two is you got to speak it out. You got to declare those bold words. I want the band to come out. Speak it out. He's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Oh, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And even when, Lord, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You see, when we begin to speak it out, when we begin to declare the promises of God, that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. In the middle of a crisis, what do you speak? You don't speak fear. You don't speak Dr. Fauci. God bless you, Dr. Fauci. We're praying for you. You don't just speak whatever the government says. You speak the word of God, the promises of God. Because his promises are yes and amen. 
even in a crisis. See, in a famine, Isaac sowed, and in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. Isaac was the child of Abraham. He grew up with a daddy who was really like full of faith, was bold, he was known in the land. He had some big shoes to walk in. In fact, there were wells that Abraham had dug for water for his family, but when Abraham died, those wells had dried up. Isaac had to learn how to dig his own wells. Isaac, the son of Pastor Abraham, he couldn't just rely on his, on his dad's wells. He had to learn how to dig his own wells. He had to learn to get his own miracles. He had to learn to push through when times were tough. You know what someone told me at the start of this crisis? They said, you know, Paul, your dad lived through a lot of hard things, but he's never lived through this pandemic. This is something that no generation has walked through the way that the government has shut things down. It's just, it's just a, it's an odd time to be alive. But God's going to give you wells that your dad didn't dig. God's going to give you ideas that your dad didn't have. And that's exactly what God did. Why? Because we serve a good God. We serve a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. And if you lift up his name, he's going to find a way to bring favor on your life. So you got to speak it. You got to speak out the word of God. Phase three. I'm almost done. Hang with me. It's not like you got a sports you know, thing to watch right now. Phase three. Act on it. Act on it. Don't just talk about it. Do something about it. Do something. Do one thing. How do you conquer a crisis? One day at a time. One thing. Tomorrow, wake up and do something bold. The next day, wake up and do something bold. Oftentimes, there's natural things we can do that are bold that will also unlock spiritual things and vice versa. Spiritual things that will unlock natural things. What is that for you? What is that? Facing your fears. What would it look like to just take one bold step this week? One bold decision. You know, for Gideon, it was just trusting God step by step that as he walked towards his enemies, that God was going to give him favor. For Peter, it was just one step out of the boat. It was one step preaching on Pentecost. Whatever that thing is, starting a connect group, opening up, being honest, apologizing for something. It takes boldness to say sorry. It takes boldness to say I forgive you. It takes boldness to lead a connect group. It takes boldness to speak straight to someone that you need to talk honest to right now. But you've got to get that courage back. And here's phase four right here. Phase four, don't stop. Don't stop. If you won't stop, God won't stop. Here's what happens. Oftentimes, we, we start taking bold steps. We start moving forward. We start feeling courageous. You know, after Joshua took down Jericho, he could have retired. He could have said, man, that was a great miracle. God is successful. Crazy faith. We did it. But God said, Joshua, you're not done. If there's breath in your lungs, you're not done. Don't settle for one miracle. Don't settle for one Jericho. In fact, the Bible says that there was more giants and more places like Jericho that Joshua had to conquer. And every place was different. Every enemy he had to face was different. This is why you can't stop. Because if you won't stop, God's favor won't stop. When Elisha told the woman to go and gather bottles so that she could fill up with oil, as long as she had another vessel, God would keep pouring the oil. As long as she kept showing up with bold faith, God would keep on flowing. But the second she ran out of vessels, the oil stopped. Can I tell you God's favor is unlimited? God's about to breathe favor on you that the whole world is going to say, how did he succeed like that? How did they get through that? It's because the favor of God. You can't keep a favored man down. You can't keep a favored woman down. When they threw Joseph in the pit, he just rose up again. 
When they threw Joseph in the dungeon, he just rose up again. When they put Jesus in the tomb, he just rose up again. You're going to keep on rising up. You can't keep a, come on, church. You can't keep a favored church down. All right, I'm coming back down. I'm coming back down. Why don't you stand up on your feet with me this morning as we get ready to close? I want to pray for you for boldness. I want to pray that you're going to step into a new boldness of obedience, of saying yes, of trusting God. And seeing the favor of God. You know, a definition of favor that God gives in the word of God is um, endorsement. It's to endorse. It's to put a stamp of approval on someone. They say that when Oprah Winfrey endorses an author, that author sells a hundred times more the amount of books than they would have sold uh, without her endorsement. There's certain people that just have influence. And if they endorse you, your book goes further and faster. And that's great when a human endorses you, but when the creator of the cosmos, when the creator of the universe, the sun, moon, and the stars, when he endorses you, there is no demon in hell that can stop you. That favor starts to push you forward. And you know what I've realized in this crisis? We've seen crazy favor at Victory. I had no connections with any of these news stations. We had people flying in from France doing stories on us. We had people from PBS out of New York and Pennsylvania coming down and doing a documentary on victory. People from Fox and Friends. I didn't know any of these people. You don't have to know anybody when God knows you. God knows how to put you out there and how's to sit. Come on, Jesus. When you got favor, you don't have to have any connections. You don't have to be a celebrity. God knows how to get you out there. All you got to do is rise up with courage and boldness, though. What is that for you? What is that for you? And I believe that God's going to give you wisdom. He's going to speak to you. Maybe for some of you, it's to give for the first time financially. Maybe it's to sow something. Maybe it's, maybe it's to bless someone with a car. Maybe it's to help a young family out this week. Maybe it's to mentor someone. Maybe it's to open your house for a connect group. Maybe for some of you that are watching online, it's to make a trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma and come to Victory Church. Come to our conference in August. Maybe, I don't know. I just, I just sense that God is wanting to stir the church to dream like Joseph dreamed. To dream, and, and, and he said in Acts chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. The old men will dream dreams. The young, like God has a plan for all generations to move in innovation, to move with a prophetic word for this generation. I want you to just bow your heads, close your eyes all over this place. And if you just want to receive a greater level of boldness and God's favor on your life, just lift your hands up. If you're here today and you say, man, I just, I, I want to walk in a greater level of boldness in my life. And I want to experience a greater level of God's favor. The good thing is when the favor's on the house, it touches all those that are in it. It touches every room. It doesn't just touch the living room. It touches the laundry room. It touches the kids' bedrooms. It touches the bath. God's favor is about to touch your life. Just you coming to church here. I believe God's about to shine on you. He's going to give you courage and boldness like the book of Acts. He's going to give you boldness to witness on your job. You're going to start walking in boldness to be an evangelist. Everywhere you go, leading people to Christ. And God's going to add to the numbers daily. God's going to add to your life daily. 
Lord, I pray for boldness on our church, boldness on those that are here today. Favor, God, that everywhere they go, that your favor surrounds them like a shield. I thank you in Jesus' name that they would walk in the boldness that Joshua walked in as he marched around Jericho, the boldness that Esther walked in as she went before the king, the boldness that Gideon walked in as he went when all the odds were stacked against him, the boldness of Abraham, the boldness of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, the boldness of Sarah and Hannah, the boldness of Deborah, the boldness of Peter and Paul and John, the boldness of Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that they would walk in bold love, bold compassion, bold faith, bold reconciliation. God, that they would be a bold, a bold believer and a bold witness. Just say this with me. Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender to you. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that your favor is going to touch my life for your glory, not for mine, but so that people will know that my God is a real God. And he's a powerful God. And he is a good God. So, Lord, I choose to walk in boldness. To obey you. No matter what. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you.